Welcome to AwardsDaily.com and LivingInCinema.com's three-way moviegasm podcast. This magic moment So different and so new Was like any other Until I met you And then it happened Hi and welcome to the Awards Daily and Living in Cinema podcast we call Three-Way Moviegasm. My name is Sasha Stone and I'm here with Ryan Adams and Craig Kennedy. Uh, And since this is our first podcast, we would like to give you a brief intro of who we are and what we do. So I'm going to go first. I've been running AwardsDaily.com, formerly OscarWatch.com, for about 10 years now. Uh, We were one of the first blogs, for better or worse, to start covering the Oscar race. We've built up a tight and devoted community since then, and I feel like the site is as much about the readers as it is about the Oscars. I really do think that at the uh, heart of it is a love of cinema, a love of great films and great performances. Um, I know that's what keeps me going. And this, uh, I love challenging the idea that the Oscar race is kind of um, for stodgy old folks who always vote for the same kind of films and that if it's not a quote-unquote Oscar movie, it has no chance of winning. So when I see those odds uh, defied, it kind of... It gives me hope, and it keeps me going. So that's me. Ryan? Until recently, past couple of years, I never felt a whole lot of emotional involvement in the whole nutty awards carnival. Not at all. I used to watch the Oscars for the spectacle, for the extravaganza, and then I could sit back and scoff at the winners, because for me, I used to think that they got it wrong a lot. Instead of an Oscar watcher, I used to be the classic Oscar skeptic. I still am to some extent, but now helping out on awards daily, picking up the loose ends and whatnot, and then seeing the amazing mechanics of the process at work from the inside out, I have a huge respect now for what it is, so I don't need to worry about what it isn't, or what I think it ought to be. I don't need the Oscars to be anything except for what I get out of it on awards daily. And that thing that the Oscars are is basically a magnet for other movie lovers, all kinds of movies. I love it when our readers come in from all around the world and talk about forgotten films that never got any Oscar love whatsoever. I love it when they go off on totally unrelated tangents, because I'm all about tangents and rambling, too. So a podcast, I hope it'll be a fun format for me to play with, especially one like this, where we can all three grope around without any kind of a roadmap. For me, this moviegasm podcast, I'm looking forward to us touching on a crazy kaleidoscope of topics, where in cinematic terms, a montage. And what we're having here today is a montage a trois. And Craig... Living in Cinema is sort of a three-year-long work in progress. I write reviews of current movies, and I cover the usual movie headlines, but I aim for a sweet spot between the highbrow and the middlebrow. I don't want to treat movies like they belong in an ivory tower, just shine a spotlight on all the great Indian foreign films that might only get limited releases. Having said that, it's definitely not all art house all the time. I balance things out with some of the more interesting high-profile pictures that come out each week. In the end, my ideal is to be a place where people can come talk about the most recent Sundance or Cannes Film Festival hits, as well as the latest from Pixar, Christopher Nolan, Wes Anderson, or Quentin Tarantino. So first up, it's Casey Affleck's I'm Still Here, starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix, which they spent an entire year um, documenting uh, Joaquin Phoenix's fake breakdown. A lot of people fell for it, a lot of people didn't, but the story behind it seems to be upstaging the film itself, although we all three have different ideas on this topic. They were chronicling the downfall of a star. He did start that hip-hop career, grew the beard, kind of fumbled his way through a number of interviews. Watching HLN and ABC, the movie's director and the viewers may have very different reviews for I'm Still Here and its star. Casey Affleck told reporters that Phoenix gave the performance of a career for more than two years playing a bearded, mumbling version of himself. The documentary was panned by critics. I saw that movie, and I'm not at all surprised. Yeah, Casey said, though, it's the performance of his career. Uh, We'll see where his career goes from now, though. And a writer for the New York Times takes a jab at Affleck and Phoenix for thinking they got one over on us. That's you. Drop some water, and you're on top of the mountain with success. But one day you start sliding down the mountain, and you think, wait a minute, 
I'm a mountain top water drop. I don't belong in this valley, this river, this low dark ocean with all these drops of water. Then one day it gets hot and you slowly evaporate into air way up, higher than any mountain top, all the way to the heavens. Then you understand that it was at your lowest that you were closest to God. Life's a journey that goes round and round and the end is closest to the beginning. So it's change you need. Relish the journey. You want me to uh, expound a little bit on what my thoughts in the movie are? I'd love it, yeah. Okay. Um, in my opinion, from what I've seen so far, it's in the running for one of the best movies of the year, and wow. it certainly has one of the best performances of the year, as we've all learned that was the case for Joaquin Phoenix. Um, the problem is, is that um, all the people who are talking about it are talking about the gimmick of the stunt that was pulled, and it it seems to me that the that the key performance aspect of it is getting lost. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is a this is a tiny little movie with a tiny little distributor who would probably be crazy to mount any kind of an Oscar campaign for it. So we shouldn't expect that they will, and if they don't. Uh, you know, it doesn't really have a chance of going anywhere. So, okay, I'm talking in circles. No, it's great. I, I mean, I, I really appreciate hearing you, you say that about it. I, I know that I tend to come at things with a lot of judgment at first, but, um, and I, <clears throat> I was trying to put my thoughts together about this movie, and you're right, I haven't seen it, so I can't really say. I mean, all I could speak to would be Joaquin Phoenix's performance and the production quality anyway. So mm -hmm. all, all I'm left with is the you know, lack of desire to want to see it and participate right. in it because of what I feel he did, which was kind of like reminds me of sort of, you know, celebrities complaining about the amount of te attention they get from paparazzi. And, right. and, and you know, it is it is a, a rotten business and the American public people in general can be rotten, you know, and horrible. So I don't know if it was performance art or if he was just trying to make a movie or if he was really trying to stick it to the gossip sites, you know. Um, I'm just not sure what his intentions were. It's a tough call because on one hand you could say, okay, Joaquin, you don't like the, the problems that are attendant with fame and celebrity, so you could just as easily do what you do on stage instead of being a movie star. It was sort of your choice to be a movie star, so it's a little bit hard to sympathize with him. But at the same time, I think there's this disease in our country where we take celebrities, we build them up beyond, you know, any reasonable human being, and then we take this sick sort of pleasure in tearing them back down again. And you can sort of see that unfolding with the whole River, I'm sorry, the whole Joaquin Phoenix thing as it played out before it became a movie and before people started seeing it, but w with, with the Letterman appearance and his, his rap appearances and stuff, there was this whole cycle of, of it just feeding this weird entertainment monster. And I think um, at the very beginning of the film, um, it's, it's just him talking and he's sort of, he's expressing regret that he has to play this character and he's tired of playing this character. He just wants to do his job and not have to, to do the act. And I, I really Which character? The what character is he talking about? The character... He literally says he's tired of playing Joaquin Phoenix, meaning huh. the, the projection that, that fans and movie watchers um, see, which isn't really him, and is far removed from mm -hmm. what his performance is. Uh -huh. um, so the so the premise, the conceit of the of the of the movie is that the real Joaquin Phoenix is the guy with the beard, and he's going to let that he's going to let everybody get to know that. Is that right? Not exactly. It's it's a fuzzier line than that. Well, already you're making the movie sound a lot more interesting to me than than he does when he talks about it on talk shows. I mean, I was amped to see him the other night on Letterman. I had already feel like I felt like I'd invested 18 months in this project, list, listening to all the. The, the stunts that were being pulled and I'm ready for some payoff I'm ready to find out you know what what is it and I had my interest has started to fade but you saying that that the performance is so good and it's one of the movies of the year for you has has reignited my interest in it a little bit and so I was excited to see him on Letterman but again I felt like let down I, I Letterman would, would ask him questions um last night and he wouldn't he didn't have an answer 
And that's okay. I mean, it's normal for people to do that in a talk show situation, but it, it, I didn't see that much different, really, or that much more articulate than his, than his bearded character. And, and I uh, uh, knew immediately when you sat down, something ain't right, because if you're really the way you appear to be, you don't go out. <laughs> you know what I mean? People don't let guys like you out if you're really like that. You don't, you don't go out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you have to say for yourself? Well, uh, thank you for letting me come on the show. Yes, last well, we've, time. we've been dying to have you back a year and a half. Uh-huh. No, I meant last time. Mm -hmm. uh, but this time as well. Mm -hmm. um, no, we wanted to make this film. You and who wanted to make Casey it? Casey Affleck. Yeah, right. Uh, who who knew film. about it? You, whose idea was it? Uh, it was both of our idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and, the, we... and the idea being what? <laughs> uh, well, we wanted to do a film that explored celebrity um, and explored the relationship between the media and the consumers and the celebrities themselves. First of all, it, it, really all I care about is me in this. Now... <laughs> um, one of the interesting things to me, actually, is that I was noticing how, how nervous he was last night and how similar that was to his stoned, bearded guy character who looked like right. a Hasidic rapper or something. Uh -huh. um, so I, I, think, I think the line between reality and, and... But it's so much more endearing last night than it was when you were suspecting that, hey, something's up here with this stunt, with this beard and this rapper story this is not right this is and and you're fo i was focused on that before in february 2009 when he first appeared on letterman i, w I liked him much better last night when he's really being his real self and even if that means shy and and unable to express himself very well because it was genuine just like it, it was much more riveting to see they 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 made fun of fair fawcett saying that, well, I owe Farrah Fawcett uh, um, an apology. But that was really riveting television, you have to admit, because it was really happening. Right. It's, uh, to me, at least, that's how I feel, that the reality is, is fascinating enough without adding, an, adding another layer of whatever they've at, tried to add to it. But I have to see for myself, so I'm going to re reserve judgment. The interesting thing is about our culture is that we seem to be focused on people who are falling apart, but not necessarily, I mean, yes, celebrities, like look at all the mm -hmm. attention on Lindsay Lohan as she, right. as she, de you know, self-destructs in front of everybody and everybody just loves that about her and they love how Robert Downey Jr. went and fell apart and then came back. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also real people, you know, there's a, there's this appetite to see, um, you know, people suffer. Right, mm -hmm. and so I guess I have to see the movie to see if if that really does make that point, or I mean, I don't know, because to me it seems like Lindsay Lohan is walking right into that. I don't see her as a victim at all, you know. So it's hard, because I think also reality stars, people who want to be in front of the camera, you know, it's like they sell their soul to the devil, you know, because they they do agree to do this, but hey, look, here's the downside. Sorry, you know, sorry, it sucks. You know, get out of it. That's that's how I kind of view it. But maybe that just shows I'm a cold-hearted bitch. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think no. for me is I, I turn it around. I don't really think about the people who are the subjects of it so much. Obviously, they make their choices. They do their things. Um, you know, Mel Gibson's another example. You can't. It, it's difficult to sympathize with him. But what is it about us that we're so obsessed with these people's right. private lives? I mean, for me... And one of the whole reasons that I started living in cinema, like I, uh, like I said before about m making the, the movies come first. What counts is the performance that's up on the screen. I don't care what drugs the per person's taking, who they're sleeping with, um, any of that. And it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't play a part. It shouldn't, but it does. I mean, it really does. And, and it's like, well, it isn't our business. It absolutely isn't. But it's become, I mean, so maybe he is making a brilliant point, you know. I wish we could see some of it. I wish they would be showing different clips than what they've shown, and I wish that, that the, the, the examples of it that we've seen on TV, on, on Letterman, for instance, have been more impressive or at least funny because, I mean, I wasn't convinced, and I, wasn't, I didn't find it very amusing. It was okay for, like, the first five or ten minutes, but when, it, when I saw that, that there wasn't going to be any more to it than that, it just didn't uh, – I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I, I really like the reality, and 
I, I will sit and watch, you know, YouTube for 45 minutes straight, little clips of people have made of themselves at home goofing off and doing silly things. It's, it's the real stuff, though. There's something when you see somebody accidentally fall flat of their face on YouTube, there's a gasp factor, you know, that you can't help but laughing. It's, but that's a lot funnier to me than the, than the deliberately staged slapstick pratfall. You know, right, right, because in mm. the end, what are you, what are you mm. left with? You're left with praising mm. the filmmakers and the actor. I mean, that's really, to mm. me, that's, that's the only way it can, it can finish. Like, you're, you're not laughing at the chance happening of kept capturing this on film. You're not even laughing at all, but you're kind of put in a position of saying, wow, how cool that they did this. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and that, I'm not, see, I'm not feeling that. I'm feeling that they, I'm feeling almost like they're feeling that how cool that we did this. And that really turns me off. That they think that, they, that the whole idea behind it is that they think they're being really clever. And I'm not seeing the cleverness yet. A I lot of people are picking up yeah. on a certain smugness to it. And I, I guess mm -hmm. I understand that. Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel it while I was watching it. Um, and, uh -huh. and I think maybe seeing the generally negative reaction towards it um, uh -huh. critically and the fact that it's made, as as Joaquin himself said, it's made about 75 cents at the box office. Yeah. Um, I, I think I feel a little bit of a lost Protect kitten syndrome to it. And, yeah, and I can I'm see that. A little protective almost of it. And like yeah. you said, if, you, if you've seen it and if you say the performance is extraordinary and it is one of the career performances, then I'm eager to see it. I'm eager to see that. I, I just haven't seen it yet. All I've seen is just the mumbling and anybody can do that he even said last night that the, the inspiration for them to do this was because they were watching reality tv and they were saying you know this is some really bad acting we know this is scripted it's just being done by really bad actors and i can handle that i can do that and i'm thinking yeah sure you can but you're better than that dude yeah. you know, shouldn't you should be you have higher goals than that um okay so what's your favorite joaquin phoenix part what's your favorite role he's ever played I, I liked them a lot in Two Lovers. I thought Two Lovers. I was going to say Two fast. Lovers. Yeah, I think that was that really featured everything that I like about him the most. And uh, he's a really good character actor. He's been in so I guess Gladiator is one of his mm. um, best smaller roles. But where a role where he's featured and where he's carries the movie, I would have to say Two Lovers. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, moving on to another Affleck brother, The Town. Um, ben Affleck. We've all seen it, right? Yep. All yes. three of us. So. Um, yeah, the movie is um, kind of a, a pulpy cop, you know, heist movie. Really well done, very entertaining, even kind of moving in places. Um, I think top-notch performances all the way, uh, all across the board, especially Jeremy Renner, um, who's fantastic. But I also thought Ben Affleck was really good. I did too. I could close my eyes during the, when he was on screen, and it didn't even sound like him. I mean, he was so deep into that accent that I had trouble even placing that it was him. I thought it was incredible. In the 302, feds have me dropping Brennan right here. Didn't ask you to do that. Yeah, well, you didn't have to, Dougie. Come on. They told me Brendan Leahy was coming down here to roll up on you with a Glock 21, so I came over here, and I put him in the ground. Then nine years for it. You don't go to thank me, but you're not walking away. I'm grateful for everything you've done for me. Your family took me in when my father went away. You're like a brother to me. But I'm leaving. You shoot me? Go ahead. You're gonna have to shoot me in the back. Is it is it fair to say that uh, I'm sort of the odd man out in not seeing it as a legitimate Oscar prospect at this point? Sure. Yeah. You mean you don't or you do? I don't. I mean, I think it's absurd in September to think you've got all ten nom ultimate nominees nailed down. It just doesn't. It well, doesn't. I do too. That's why I think that I don't. I think that. That that's why the town I believe on a lot of people's list is eleven or twelve or thirteen, and I have a feeling that some of the ones that we're so certain about being in the top ten are dropping are dropping out because they always do every year. Right. It happens that we lose some that we're counting on. So th where where are we going to find the spots to fill the empty chairs? Yeah, so right. I, think the I, town wasn't, is a great I wasn't saying that that's a reason <laughs> that we shouldn't be picking it. I'm saying that's uh -huh. a reason why I'm not going to say for sure that it's not going to happen because I think uh -huh. that would be. Uh, arrogant at this point. It just it just doesn't uh, it doesn't 
it doesn't feel like an uh, an Oscar movie to me being an outsider. I mean, my first stage smell test for any Oscar movie is whether my mom would like it. If she would mm-hmm. like it, then it's got a, a leg out to get a nomination. And this just doesn't seem like uh, uh, that kind of a movie to me. It seems to me like more like a departed thing, but it doesn't have... Uh, an iconic director who's overdue for an Oscar attached to it, so I don't see it getting the same kind of um, groundswell of support that something like The Departed got. Having said that, if it if it did make it in, I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be disappointed either because I really did enjoy it. Um, well, for people who don't know what we're exactly what we're talking about, we are talking about the fact that the Academy now has ten Best Picture slots. Um, they used to have five for oh, I don't know, 40 years or so after they dropped their 10 nominees. Now mm-hmm. they have five slots. Um, so that's that's the only reason people are even entertaining the idea that maybe the town would get in. If there were five slots, there's no chance in hell. But, I think you're right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But with 10, um, you know, if it, if it makes enough money and if, it, if the other movies just do really poorly, the ones that are still yet to come out, like True Grit and The Fighter mainly... Um, then it, it has a chance of being one of the blockbusters that get in only because the Academy is trying to, with 10 nominees, they're trying to kind of bring, um, you know, higher money makers into the, into, the, uh, into the Oscar race because for so long it's sort of been this niche kind of thing and nobody's watching it on TV, you know, the movies aren't making that much money, no, you know, the Oscar bump isn't as significant as it used to be. So I think they're they're trying with ten to kind of bring the public back into the Oscars and the town. People really love it, you know. Audiences love it. When I saw it in a in a movie theater in the Valley here, um, it was a packed house in the middle of the day, and that never happens. And uh, so people applauded at the end, you know, in in Van Nuys. It was really shocking. So it's a crowd pleaser for sure. And I thought since I I. I'm compulsive about it since I know sometimes I'm not going to be able to see a movie until sometimes weeks or months after everybody else does. I do my homework first. I read scripts and I read the book sometime. And I thought I knew the story, but I could tell within the first 10 or 15 minutes that they were drastically altering the tone and the slant of the way the story was told. And I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know where it was going. And it didn't end at all like, like the book ended. They Fast improvement over the novel. And they added things... I don't guess it's no, it's not a spoiler. If I say that there's there's a bit with a tattoo and there's a bit with a secret code kind of phrase at the end, none of that was in the book. That was all added to the to the script for the for the movie, and it added immensely to it. You know, how unusual is it that you hear somebody say, "I like the movie better than the book"? My hope is that I, I just sit kind of with my fingers crossed. Please don't ruin it too badly. Right. You know, right. but at this time, I could see right away they were making changes to it that improved everything about it. Um, it, the FBI guy had a really major role in the book. He was like, it was a really balanced love triangle in the book. And, but that, that didn't work. That wouldn't work for the movie because you need to have one hero, you know, in a movie for two hours, you need to have people focused on one guy that they want to prevail. And you don't need to be confused about who's the good guy. Of course, the FBI guy is basically the, officially the good guy, but he's an asshole, Right. And he's a, and so he's a manipulator, and and you and you really feel for the crook more. And that's crook. the character played by John Hamm, is the, the right. uh, FBI mm-hmm. guy who's just great in that part. He was excellent, yeah. I mean, didn't didn't they um, change that part also significantly from the book? I heard in the book he was a nice guy, but in the movie he was kind of a creep. That's what is I'm that, saying. Yeah, and yeah, the FBI, the John Hamm's character, the FBI guy, was uh, was you really felt for him. He was he was troubled. He was a troubled guy. He was lonely. He he really wanted to help Claire. He really wanted he he was attracted to her. He was he would have been happy to to be uh, to end up with her. It was they were both vying for her affection, for her attention. There was the jealousy thing going on in the book when they found out about each other. So they they ditched all that though because. I think it would have been, well, it's just not the way they wanted to go with it. And it would have been too complex emotionally for the audience to not right. know who to be rooting for. That is so true. I, and I love what you say about um, the one hero thing per movie. Because, you know, when I, I saw it, I was surprised that I heard a, the audience groan. 
like in pain when they saw that Claire had a FBI stake out at her house trapping uh-huh. him. Right. Like they were so involved with him with Ben Affleck. They were so on his side, even though he's a bank robber and he's you yeah. know, he's robbed all these banks and, and you know, normally you'd you'd think justice would be done and he would be you know, it's not like Shawshank Redemption where he's completely innocent. It's he's not innocent, he's a criminal. But he doesn't really pay for those crimes. He just kind of he gets away with the money. Um Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I think that's all right. Um, but the audience was on his side. You know what I mean? Like they didn't. Okay. I don't think anybody ever wanted him to like get caught and go to jail. Right. That's one thing. I I, would, I almost threw the book across the room at the end of it because it's it's so it starts out with this great premise of a of a of a bank robber who falls in love with a hostage, which is a rare thing. You don't have never seen that before that I know of. But it became more and more conventional as it went on, and by the end, it's like the author ran out of ideas and. It's, it was so like so trite almost. He 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 stumbles home, uh, back to her apartment. He's wounded from a shootout, and he dies in her arms in her apartment. And John Hamm is standing there in the same room with him. Wow. And not only that, but he he dies not knowing for sure that she didn't betray him, which is awful. It's awful, you know that the, the, the FBI agent uh, says something about well, she told us she found he you know we knew because she tipped us off, but he doesn't know that he's talking about his. Um, what's her name? Blake Lively's character. Right, right. Um, uh, he thinks that she, he may be talking about Claire, and so he's he goes he dies being confused about that, and so that's just terrible. You know, it's so great that that he was able to find out there was that like you said there was that palpable relief in the audience when you realize that ah okay, right. he she's on his side and he knows it. Yeah. So Craig, did you like the movie? I did, though. Um, after hearing you guys talking about it, I may have to see it again, and I'll, I'll admit that I saw it at a midnight screening, and it was a long, exhausting day, and I may have had a cocktail or two before I saw the movie. <laughs> so, you know, I, I may not have had my critic's hat on sharply when I, when I saw it. So I'll revisit it again, and maybe I will, uh, I will have to come back and, and say that I'm flat wrong and that it's definitely an Oscar-type picture. Well, I don't think it's, I mean, I don't think I watched it and I thought that's an Oscar type picture. What I, what I saw was that's a good movie. And that, that's the one thing that, um, that's the one sort of difference that I, I think I have with, with other people who, who are in the same kind of Oscar game as me is that I don't ever think that there's such a thing as an Oscar movie. Like it's really just about the good movies. Any movie can be an Oscar movie if it's good enough. Any movie. So I really think that, is it good enough? Did the audience love it? You know? Well, yeah, they kind of loved it, but is it good enough as in, is it like as good as The Social Network? might turn out to be one of the best movies of the year um, through that kind of paradigm of Oscar movies. I don't know. And just by the fact that, like you said, it's so enjoyable. It's such a, it's such a, it's a, you really enjoy being in the theater and you're into the, into the movie. And I don't think that, that Academy members are an alien species. I never think about them as having so much different tastes from the American public just because they... Uh, live in Beverly Hills or Malibu right. because I, I think that if, if, if we enjoy a movie, if the public enjoys a movie, then there's going to be lots of members of the Academy that are going to enjoy that movie too. And like you said, I think that their idea about what's an Oscar movie has changed over the years too. Right. And they're willing to accept more just in the past three or four years. Have, have we seen that happen? That the movie's getting into Best Picture that right, it wouldn't like have... District 9, for instance. I mean, that exactly. Never, yeah. That's a movie that and I'm, never... But, let me, let me just say, I'm, I'm impressed with Craig's mother for liking District 9. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Does she like District 9? I'm just, no, he's, uh, he's mocking me because of my mother's smell test, implying that because it got a nomination that she would have liked it, which is, is, is not true for sure. I'm not mocking oh, you, I'm just, but I was worried. I was, I'm not worried, but I was curious about that. I was thinking, well, that's interesting. <laughs> she wouldn't have cared for District 9, but she would have been all over... Blind side, let me tell you. She would have loved that movie. I'm almost too. Yeah. <laughs> True. Okay. All right. So let's move on to our third topic. And this is going to be our last topic, and then we can close it up, right? All right. So, Sasha, I know you saw The King's Speech tonight, and uh, neither Ryan and I have seen it, but um, it's been pretty much the buzz on everybody's lips um, coming out of the festivals has been The King's Speech. Can you uh, confirm or deny its preeminence after seeing it? Um, well, okay, yeah, so I saw the King's speech, and um, it was really um, 
a, a very you know moving performance by Colin Firth. It's it's easily his best performance. It's um, and you know with him that's saying a lot. It it kind of takes where he left off with a single man, and it it um, he goes much much deeper. Um, he plays King George the Sixth, a man with a with a, a really bad stammer or stutter, who um, inherits his. He inherits his royal title. He becomes king when his older brother abdicates the throne. Insert them into your mouth. Enunciate. He hasn't seen me. I can't cure your husband, but I need total trust. What was your earliest memory? I'm not here to discuss personal matters. Well, why are you here then? Because I bloody well stammer! Do you know any jokes? Timing isn't my strong suit. <laughs> Your methods are unorthodox and controversial. No, 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 no. Up comes your royal highness. It's actually quite good fun. Yes. Oh. Art thou feared? It's your peculiar. I take that as a compliment. War with Germany will come. And we will need a king whom we can all stand behind. He's afraid of his own shadow. The nation believes that when I... I speak, I speak to them, but I can't speak. You could do it. You'll even be governed by fear. It'll be like mad King George the Stammer. Get up, you can't sit there, get up! Why not? It's chair. That, that is St. Edward's chair. People have that, carved their names Listen to me! Listen to me! Why should I waste my time listening to you? Because I have a voice! Yes, you do. Your greatest test is yet to come. What's he said? I don't know, but he seems to be saying it rather well. Your first wartime speech. Broadcast to the nation and the world. This great time of crisis. However this turns out, I don't know how to thank you. Bertie, you're the bravest man I know. I intend to be a very good queen. To a very great king. Forget everything else and just say it to me. really kind of a love story between Jeffrey Rush and Colin Firth. The movie is about those two men and their relationship. The audience loved it that I saw it with. I heard them talking about it afterwards. There were, you know, many of them in tears and I thought it was really good. I, I think it's definitely, the thing that stands out about it to me is that I think it's going to be finally Colin Firth's big Oscar win. I don't think That's anybody great. can touch him, really, honestly, so... I was rooting for him last year, so I won't feel bad at all if he wins this year, even though I'm um, actually more excited about um, Jeff Bridges in True Grit, ironically, who was the one who won last year, who I wasn't necessarily rooting for. Right, right. I know. I was talking to my friend and, and <clears throat> on the phone, and we were like trying to remember who won the Oscars last year. We just couldn't believe that we, it, we had forgotten it so quickly, you know. Do you find after the season's over um, and the awards are given out that you've put so much effort into it for so long that part of your brain just kind of shuts down and you sort of yeah. jettison all that, that that stuff and move on with your life? Absolutely. It's almost like po post-traumatic stress syndrome almost. <laughs> you, just, you black it out. You're right. You repress it. You repress it. Well, the, the un unfortunate side effect of this is that it's it's pretty much ruined a lot of movies for me. Like, there are some movies I just cannot watch again because of the awards race. I don't think I'll ever see Avatar again. And um, there are movies like Milk I'll probably never watch. Um, to be fair, though, you did see Avatar ten times already, though, I think, I right? Know. But if it hadn't been for the awards race, I might have watched <laughs> right. it again. Yeah. But there are movies like No Country for Old Men or The Departed that I would watch again. It's just that oh, I, yeah. I feel like when it goes through... Benjamin Button, I'll probably never watch that again. Slumdog Millionaire, never. I mean, there's just some kind of thing about it that once it's through, it's sort of like an old boyfriend. You know, yeah. you, you've been there, yeah. done that. You don't want to go back there. <laughs> I don't know. It's very strange. But do you guys well, that makes a lot of sense to me. That's actually kind of why I try to I try to compartmentalize the awards and sort of keep them separate from my own personal passions. And the, the Academy actually makes that easy on me because they tend to gravitate towards movies that are not necessarily in my top ten of the year. Right. But it always throws me in a year like 2007 when my favorite movie of the year, No Country for Old Men, also happens to be an Oscar darling. I actually felt a little weird and alien that year because it was a, <laughs> outside of my normal experience with Oscar. I didn't know what to make of it. Wasn't that great, though? It's a rare thing, but it is great when that does happen. 
It's about last year, though. I do think that if we could see the, the, the numbers for the scores, I believe that there's no doubt that Colin Firth came in second last year. And so a lot of people are feeling the same way we do, that almost wish he had won last year. And, and so they're going to be able to have another chance to maybe see to it this year. In a single man, Colin Firth and I play two people who have been best friends for 20 years. In reality, we had just met and only worked together for three days. I had only heard exemplary things about him and so had extremely high expectations. And he managed to exceed every one. With his ease, charm, humor, and generosity, it wasn't hard for me to believe that I'd known and loved him all of my life. His courage and integrity in letting us see the depth of one man's shattering grief is testament to his enormous talent. And I can tell you that three days is not nearly enough time to spend in the company of the magnificent Colin Firth. Do you feel sometimes like the race kind of calcifies around conventional wisdom rather than actually people voting their honest opinions? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, four out of five times, yes. But the one out of five is, is, is an actual um, honest vote. But yeah, right. for the most part, that's why the, the game can be played the way it's played. That's why they could invest money in ads and, and a campaign because they know that once the once the vehicles are in their groove, they can stay in that groove all the way to the finish. The win is harder to call because a win is usually a much more passionate choice. But mm -hmm. the nominees, yeah, you can pretty much predict how it's going to go because it is hard to break them out. Like one <clears throat> notable exception is a movie like Dreamgirls, which really seemed like it had everything going for it that way. Like it really was set in the right groove. It had the right publicists. Everything was on track. And then it just, uh, it totally derailed. But is there any question that that movie would have made it into the top 10 if there were no. 10 nominees? No, of course it would have. You know? And it probably would have made it into the top five if it hadn't been talked up so much all year long so that people were expecting it to be so wonderful and it was yeah. pretty good movie i mean i like it fine but it, it it maybe was a disappointment to people because they expected so much they were had been led to believe so much yeah it was sort it, of like remember the movie what was the movie that the reader took the place of was it dream girls uh there was one hmm. movie that that the reader took that fifth spot and everybody expected it to be nominated I, well i think everybody was angry about the dark knight that year weren't they the dark knight how can yeah. i forget <laughs> God, somebody needs to really put me out of my misery. <laughs> I swear to God. Good Lord, who am I this time? It's like... <laughs> what is Sorry. my website? <laughs> the Dark Knight, holy crap. All right, so there you go. The Dark Knight, it seemed like that was going to get in, but then the reader got in at the last minute and, you know... Um, but, you know, I never blamed, I've never blamed the reader for the Dark Knight. I blamed Frost Nixon for the Dark Knight not being nominated. And you know how I feel about that. I've always had a grudge against Frost Nixon. And even I though blame I know Ron that's a perfect... for everything. <laughs> no, but I, 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 I know that's a perfect Oscar movie in so many ways, and it fits the certain demographic of the 20% of the Academy that always votes that way. There's always a movie like that. But that was the movie that I feel like really... I mean, I like the reader better than, than Frost Nixon, is what I'm saying. That was an interesting um, thing, that, that Frost Nixon, the way... That, that's a good studio working there that got that movie nominated. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, impressed by the, I'm impressed by it. I like it better now than I did when it first came out, but I could just see what it was going to become. I knew that I, knew I was looking at the number of chairs that we had, the number of slots, and the number of movies that we all loved, and something was going to have to go. Yeah. And I was worried. Right. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but now that we have ten, it it you know in a way it kind of takes a lot of the excitement out of it because with ten it's you know although this year there are so many movies competing for those spots that it is it is actually exciting. It'll be interesting to see when it comes right down to it and we have to really whittle down our opinions and stick to something. I mean, last year it was it seemed strange to me that it, I would have assumed that with ten nominees that would make it twice as hard to get them all right, but. I correctly predicted all ten of them, which tells you that there's something terribly wrong because wow. I don't know a damn thing about what I'm talking about, but just through <laughs> conventional wisdom, I was able to pick up on it, and it turned out to be correct. And it's like, Wait, that's... you even predicted the blind side? Uh, yeah. 
Oh my god, wow. How'd you do that? I had no idea that was going to get nominated for Um, picture. I'm one of the few people I know who's as cynical as I am who actually kind of like that movie. It, it yeah, wasn't you genuinely my... liked it. I remember that you genuinely liked it. It was nothing that you had to pretend about or, or, or even have to imagine what goes on in the campus in the member's head or anything like those kind of games at all. You just genuinely liked it yourself. and that's Well, it, it wasn't a movie that would have showed up in my own personal top ten, but it right. just, you know, I was going off of fit. the yeah. the crowd response, like Sasha was saying before, about movies uh -huh. that people genuinely like. Uh -huh. For whatever reason, that was one of them. So, so do you think that the, the town is sort of on that same level of... Uh, of entertainment or I know it didn't have that that Christian kind of saving you know a person and it didn't it doesn't have that layer of gravitas that, that like I said before I'm gonna have to revisit the town to be sure but I'm I'm skeptical about how much about how popular it really is because w one of the arguments that people have used for its popularity is the box office that it did and it did okay box office but it wasn't great it seems I think inflated over what it was because it was higher than what the expectations were. But to me, that says more about the expectations than it says about the movie itself. Does that make sense? It does, yes. So I, I, I don't see... I, Blindside, for whatever reason, sort of had its own cultural moment, and I don't see that forming around the town at this point. It may still, but it just doesn't seem like the kind of movie that people are going to rally around emotionally. I, I could be totally wrong, and if I see it again and change my mind, I'll the first one to admit it but that's just kind of the sense that i have right now the movie i have the highest hopes for so far this year is um true grit but it'll be a while before we get to see that one and hopefully we'll be able to talk about that um a little more soon in one of our future podcasts says life magazine true grit is good enough for me it's good enough for you and if it isn't good enough for some movie company then the free enterprise system is really going to hell. Move along! They tell me you're a man with true grit. Oh, what do you want? Speak up. Boy, you wrinkled the paper. It's pretty loose because your makings are too dry. I'm looking for Tom Chaney. Well, who's he? He's the man that shot and killed my father, Frank Ross says the New York Times, as touching as it is irreverently amusing. Marshal Rooster Cogburn and I are going after the murderer, Tom Cheney. How did you light on that greasy vagabond? They say he has grit. He's a notorious thumper. He's not a man I would care to share a bed with. Nor would I. Um, as far as movies that I've seen so far, I'm Still Here is... is keeps jumping out at me as my potential favorite, but um, too soon since I've seen it, so for now I'm going to have to go with Winter's Bone. Is it boring to say that the movie that I like so far best this year is Inception? No, um, it's not boring <laughs> at all. Not boring I, at all. I have, to, I have to say that it is, and with uh, Shutter Island and The Ghost Rider tied for second, but um, the nothing, nothing was more enjoyable for me all summer, all year long, than, than Inception. Mm -hmm. And no, no other movie does I see three times in the theater. Right, wow. Exception, and so for me, but upcoming, I would say, is I'm I'm almost certain to love um, the Social Network. There's no doubt about it. The King's Speech also, uh, my kind of movie. So the one that I'm kind of anxious about, that I'm that I'm not sure about, but that I that I'm really looking forward to finding out about, is Black Swan. But you know, I just I, that's the, that's the that's the most unknown quantity to me. I feel like that the movies that are upcoming that I, I feel certain that I'm going to like, I don't have to worry about those. But I am a little um, cautious about Black Swan. I uh, I just don't know about it yet. I mean, you guys, both of you, really um, influenced my own opinion about movies. I, I was ready to to forget about uh, I'm Still Here altogether. I had lost interest in it and didn't think there was any way that I would probably even see it, but now I know I will because of Craig. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll feel, I'll feel yeah. bad if you both see it and think it sucks like everybody else. No, we'll never let you forget it. Don't worry. We'll never let you forget it if it's a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I went from zero interest to now <laughs> wanting to see it. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Well, I think for me, like I, I, I loved Inception so much. It, it almost feels like it was last year. Like I need to see it again so I can mm -hmm. remember how that feeling of seeing it for the first time. Um, I don't know if I'll see a better movie than The Social Network. Uh, 
one of the hard things about watching the King's speech was that it's it's in such a different tempo from um, the Fincher movie, which is mm-hmm. it just it's such a like um, adrenaline injection that movie that you know you kind of are expecting that with every movie you see from that. <laughs> so nobody hopefully... stutters. Nobody stutters in a Sorkin movie. Right. Nobody stutters <laughs> in a Sorkin movie. That's the way. That's exactly right. Um, you know, it's a great great performance. You know, the, the pacing, you don't want to see these two movies together. You mm. probably want to see The King's Speech with a movie like The Queen. You know, that that would work really well. Mm. But, um, but yeah, True Grit, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I have to admit, I am looking forward to The Fighter. Uh, you know, if for no other reason, because it is, it is being set up to be kind of a major player in the Oscars. So I'm always waiting to see that. But, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Coens can can you know top no country for all men i'm curious to see if they do but this looks like a true grit looks great you know so far and honestly they haven't made a bad movie those guys they pick great projects for themselves they know they know when they do an adaptation they they pick books they pick novels that could have been written by the brothers themselves you know that's Mm -hmm. the way i felt about no country for all men the dialogue in there they lifted stretches of dialogue intact from the novel and made it their own with just a few alterations, but it sounded so Cohen-esque. And the same thing about True Grit. The original 1969 True Grit, for some perverse reason, took all the best parts of the novel and all the best lines, all all of the spark out of it, and just drained it and just turned it into something really bland. But the script for True Grit has gone back to the novel and put all that back in. Wow. So, so that's I, really... I agree with Ryan on that. I when when they first announced that they were doing True Grit, I had only ever seen the movie. I had never read the book, and I was kind of scratching my head. I couldn't figure out what it was that was drawing them to this story. And then I finally read the novel, and it just completely clicked and made perfect sense. I think um, it's heresy to say it, but I, I don't really like the original movie that much. I mean, it, it it hit all the plot points that the book had, but it, it didn't capture the spirit of the book at all and jettison some of the major themes of it, which I think will play right into the Cohen wheelhouse. So mm-hmm. um, after having read, the, I was skeptical about the whole thing until I read the book, and then I just kind of felt like it was going to be a Cohen home run. I mean, I try to keep my expectations about them as low as possible because I don't want to set myself up for disappointment, but um, I'm having a hard time reining in my excitement at this point. Mm, that's great. Well, it's been very entertaining and and delightful talking to you both but we, are- uh, we should say we should say it's been fun for us too <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are just like dead silence <laughs> i'm like really what were I'm you listening to, to- <laughs> I know that seemed abrupt but i was trying to like end the end the interview so let me try it that again. was great it sounded so good but it's our pause that ruined it <laughs> yeah we totally we totally ruined that one are- all right so but that was a great way to end it though craig on what you said so i want to try to end it on that and then just say um say okay so all right so i'll end it now and i'll just um should we all three say a little something to, to exit yeah yeah okay. i can't think of much but i'll just okay we'll see all yeah. right so <laughs> let's try our exit our first exit okay <laughs> um well that's all we have time for today <laughs> now that you've <laughs> you've raised a you know a child in the meantime <laughs> 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 um, we'll see you next week for another very long podcast um, if you want to write to us you can send any email to awardsdaily at gmail.com and we will answer your questions the next time we, we have a podcast and um, you can reach Craig at What's an email they can reach you at, Craig? Craig at livinginsinema.com. There you go. So, and that was it. I hope you enjoyed our podcast, and we'll talk to you next week. I just want to thank you, uh, Sasha and Ryan, both for including me with the Awards Daily Podcast. Um, I had fun, and I hope that you can edit this into something that's uh, entertaining and interesting to people. Yeah. I had a great time too. I was dreading it, but it hasn't turned out to be such a disaster after all. And I'll never uh, criticize Walking Phoenix for being incoherent again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye everybody. Bye. Bye bye. God, it was too hot to sleep. I followed the sound of a jukebox coming from up the That concludes our Awards Daily Living in Cinema podcast. Please join us next week. 
I'm sure we'll I have lots of fun things to say. And in the meantime, uh, we've included our cafe? introduction outtakes for your I listening said, uh, pleasure. I just in know. case you thought it was like a piece of cake or something. This, this is Craig. Hello, Awards Daily readers. And this is Ryan. Hi, everybody. If you've never followed awardsdaily.com or livinginsinema.com, you might not know that we don't do the same thing. <laughs> Sounds terrible. Awards Daily covers mostly film awards, but specifically the Oscars. Living in Cinema is much more about film, less about the world's least respected angle of show business, Oscar watching. That makes him the perfect fish out of water to help you listeners navigate through our short code. Basically what we do... Oh, just forget it. Just cut out all that. Forget it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's terrible. Okay. It's good. I, I thought you were going fine. I thought it, was, it sounded good. I what just, happened? Well, because it sounds bad reading it. It just sounds bad out oh. loud. It sounds better writing. It doesn't sound good reading. So I'm just going to improvise the beginning. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. good. Okay, so... Hi, and welcome to the podcast. This is the first podcast of, of us, the Oscar... Um, current Oscar season. My name is Sasha Stone. I'm the main uh, editor of awardsdaily.com and I'm joined by Ryan Adams, the co-editor of Awards Daily, and Craig Kennedy, the editor and creator of livinginsinema.com. Hi guys. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I went first last time. I should have gone first this time. I was trying I was not to be you. Okay. I thought, okay, so you have to be first. I'll step first. aside. <laughs> That was totally my fault. <laughs> All right, do you not want me to say hi, guys? No, that's no, good. good. Uh, maybe, that's maybe, good. maybe since you do mention my name first, it, to help keep it in people's minds straighter, okay, if I if I say hi first. Got it. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Ready? You don't. You, you're the thing you did was fine. Let's just let's pick it up from there. What do you say? Just start over with saying hi, guys, and then Ryan, and then me. Oh, you want to do that? You don't want to say I'm here with Ryan Adams. No. You already did all that, and it sounded okay. But you, if you want to do, do it again, you can. Take no, three. No, no, we want to, I want to incorporate you guys with it. So when I say I, with me is Ryan Adams, and he says hi, and Craig Kennedy, hi, like that. I, I thought we w- you could edit that in later, but that's fine. Go ahead. Okay. All right. I'll just butt out. <laughs> Everybody okay. wants to be a director. No kidding. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's try this again. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. Okay. She said there's one thing you gotta learn is not to be afraid of it. I said, no, I like it. I like it, it's good. She said, you like it now, but you'll learn to love it later. 